And now, from our studios in Kansas City, Sci-Fi For Me Radio is live from the bunker. All right. I think, maybe, possibly, we've got some stuff figured out here. Welcome, everybody. We are live from the bunker. It is Monday, November 7th, the day before the apocalypse hits in the United States. Or something there, there, something like that. My mic is a bit hot. Okay. This is, this is what I need to do because we have, uh, I've got a little bit of a setup here. Let me pull the music down a little bit so, we're, so I'm giving you a clean microphone. So here's, here's what we're going to do. Um, let me go through the, the, usual, the usual stuff. Uh, this show is available on podcast platforms, and uh, you can leave your feedback either in comments or through email, live from the bunker at sci-fi4me.com. Okay, so uh, this is... 480 episodes. We've got 20 left until we get to 500, which will be December 30th. Now, here's what I want to do very, very quickly before Dan and Matt come in here. And Dan and Matt, if I, I can beg your indulgence here for a second, because I've, I've, I've moved a cable. So here's what I'm going to do, because a lot of pe- some people have said that our audio is lower than most other YouTube channels that you guys watch and, and listen to and whatnot. So what I want to do here for a second is do some adjustments uh, very, very quickly to see if we can boost our audio a little bit. And, and Dave said that we were sounding, uh, we were sounding hot, uh, a, little bit, uh, a little bit crunchy. And so what I want to do is I'm going to kind of fine-tune here for a second. I'm going to try to boost the audio and pull my audio down a little bit, and let's see if maybe we can get our our sound up a little bit. So right now I've got it dialed up just a little bit. So tell me tell me what everybody is hearing, and uh, and then we'll see if we can go from there and make sure that you guys are getting the top quality best performance that we can give you. So uh, so we're gonna we're gonna dial in on this a little bit here. And just make sure everything sounds good. So now, you guys listen. Give me some feedback in the live chat. And in the meantime, uh, let's go ahead and bring Dan and Matt in. Welcome, gentlemen. How are you today? Good. Uh, <laughs> great. Uh, big big Chiefs game last night, right? Yeah. Big Chiefs game yeah. last night. We got uh, some some something thing happening tomorrow. It's 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 kind of a wild week already. It's yeah, it is something all good. So, um, okay, <clears throat> where do we start? Because um, the 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 big discussion online the last few days has been Twitter. And Elon Musk and the whole $8 verification thing and, and Twitter blue and firing a bunch of people and now having to hire them back. And I guess we could start there because it's the, you know, it's the top story. I've got some others, so we got, we got the Facebook stuff to talk about, too. But is, is Twitter in freefall, in meltdown, or is this kind of the the usual corporate shenanigans when new ownership comes in and 
we're cleaning house. No, I, I think what he did was really smart. I mean, these people are losing these high-paying jobs. And, uh, of course, they know how to code. I mean, they've probably been encouraging coal miners to learn that for years. And uh, they're probably out looking at, uh, you know, $15 an hour jobs. And now Elon's saying, okay, you want to come back? Uh, you work for me now. Yeah. I think it was probably pretty smart. Well, is is that... You sure? Is there is is this then technically layoffs and layoff? We we you know, you get your layoff and then we can bring you back. You we're basically kind of holding you in reserve. That's how this works, right? I, I would think it was a a way to say that uh, there's a new boss, yeah. and um, you know you don't you don't have to work for Elon, but uh, you're probably it's probably not going to get any better than that. <laughs> so uh, yeah. There's, yeah. Uh, that's yeah. not the only company that's laying people off. Right. The only tech company. Right. And he, you know, uh, depending on whether you believe Elon, I, I, I kind of like him and don't have much reason to disbelieve him. But he said they were losing million. Uh, I think he said four million dollars a day. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, uh, it, it, certainly whatever he's done has been justified from a cost standpoint, and uh, it might be, as Matt says, a, a management device. You know, kind of, you know, uh, you're fired. Oh, you want to come back? Well, there are new rules when you come back, and that's not a bad thing. Right. Well, and the other part of that, too, is now we're getting word that's coming out over the weekend, you know, because a lot of people were, were complaining about the $8, uh, the $8 yeah. a month thing for the verification. And it's leaking from various sources that there were some accounts that were paying as much as $15,000 under the table to get, their verification check marks and a lot of it was tied to advertisers and you have these big advertisers big media and all that stuff like say if you have uh let's say just pulling out of the out of the air the new york times for example say the new york times because for a while there they were running all of those truth ads remember we're we're all about the truth we're all about the, and and i think maybe the 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 Every third or fourth ad was New York Times at one point, and I was blogging. It's not, I don't want to see this ad. I don't want to see this ad. But New York Times is spending a gob of money advertising on Twitter, and the scenario as it's being described is if you've got, you know, you're spending upwards of 15000 plus in advertising revenue on Twitter, then the company gets the blue check mark, and anybody that's working for the company can get the blue check mark as well. And now you got people that are melting down because any time Dick and Harry can pay eight dollars a month and they get these verifications that cost us fifteen, twenty grand. Mm. It sounds a little sketchy. Uh it appears there are a lot of sketchy things going on at Twitter, but <laughs> hopefully over time we'll find out yeah. just how severe it was. Or may maybe maybe it wasn't, but I think we will find out what was or wasn't happening there. And I think this is part of what, uh, you know, uh, Elon really was saying, even when he said he was going to buy the place in the first place. I mean, before he even backed out of the deal. I mean, part of what he was saying was he was buying it because he wanted to clean it up. And, um, you know, it, it, no matter how much of it ends up being true and how much of it ends up being false, there is no question that they have not been transparent in the past. Yeah. And uh, anything that he does is, is likely to help in that regard. It just, 
it just seems like wild wild west and and, and i yep. see i see some hot takes on facebook you know people people that i know uh people who who act like they know a lot more than they probably do with these with these analyses and opinions about uh, uh how how elon is this babe in the woods moron who doesn't really understand business and i'm sitting there thinking to myself hang on this guy Yes, he's he's born into wealth, but he's got all of these different companies that are are relatively successful. I'm not going to say that they're, you know, doing gangbusters all the way across the board, but I would think that he's learned a thing or two about a thing or two because when they announced that they were going to do all these all these layoffs, everybody started coming up with, well, California's got this law, New York's got this law, and you got to give them 30 days notice and 60 days notice. And they can't just summarily fire people. And and when the text of the emails come out, it shows that he's giving them 90 days notice and not just, you know, summarily frog marching them out the out the door. And so it's it's kind of it's kind of like he he may know a little bit more about this than we do. And this idea of discovering all of the mess and the chaos and the and the the swampiness that's inside Twitter, it feels to me like he's taking the general public on a tour of discovery. Like I already know all this stuff. Let me show you, and we're just gonna kind of roll this out a piece at a time so you guys can understand just how much of a of a quagmire Twitter has been. Am I, could I, could I, I could be wrong, but it feels like that to me that he's like he's rolling these little pieces out so all of us can understand what's been going on there the last five, ten years. Well, it certainly hasn't been right. Uh, uh, clearly, the people that have been banned have been uh, people that were largely uh, Twittered in a degree with politically. And... Uh, you know, they were major forces. I'm sure it's hurt their revenues. So he's going to run it like a business, hopefully a good business. And, the, you know, the other part is that, um, you know, the whole thing with advertisers and stuff. I mean, I've seen this play out even locally. You can say, you can say, I'm not going to advertise with them anymore, but that just hurts you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, and that's, that's his advantage. That's his leverage is Twitter has been a good uh, venue for them in terms of reaching new clients and customers, and uh, they, they're cutting off their nose despite their face. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and Dan, you're probably, you and, you and I go back a ways, and there was, there was a time that we were both putting in some, some work and time and effort up at the ABC affiliate north right. of Kansas City. And I have I have seen those conversations between the sales department and the news department where, no, 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 you can't run that story about our client. We'll lose all this advertising revenue. And it kind of feels like the same kind of thing going on here in a way where, you know, all these all these advertisers, well, they'll they'll get mad and they'll take their money elsewhere. OK, and then they'll be back because it, it always works like that. And you 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 make this emotional, rash decision and you go off in a huff and fine, I'll take my marbles. I'll go play elsewhere. 
And then they realize what they've lost in terms of the resource where they've been advertising. You know, biggest TV and you know, biggest TV station in the market or the biggest newspaper, you know, in the in the region or whatnot. And you're right, it's that it's that exposure level. It's the it's the amount of access that they get to that audience. Right. And they're walking away from that. I they'd have they'd have to realize that and they come back after after cooler heads prevail. Well, Musk realizes it for sure. Yeah. And look at the I had not looked at Twitter really in hardly in a year, and I'm looking at it again now. And I think probably a lot of people are doing that. Well, and I'm starting to see a number of accounts that I haven't seen in a very long while. Um, and from the standpoint of both uh, the, the accounts that we follow, plus other accounts that other people follow that maybe maybe we're not following this person, but it'll show up because somebody likes it or somebody retweets it or whatnot. And I'm starting to see a, a number of accounts that I haven't seen in a very, very, very long time. And not just on Twitter. I'm seeing I'm seeing accounts over on Instagram that I haven't seen, and that's Meta. That's not even that's not even a related company, which I thought was really but weird. What, but what we said from the very beginning was that if, if Elon Musk buys Twitter, it will change the the, the landscape, and yeah. we're already seeing the change in the landscape. Now, yeah. speaking speaking of Meta, we've got uh, we've got news coming out of the uh, Wall Street Journal. Uh, Meta preparing to notify employees of large scale layoffs this week. I mean, this is just this is just breaking here in the last couple of days that Facebook is is in trouble, and a lot of this is that you know that whole metaverse virtual reality crap that Zuckerberg is trying to push down everybody's throat i just i i don't see virtual reality taking off the way he wants it to because we've been in this situation here now for a couple of years where it and now we're getting confirmation of things that we've already suspected that the media has been manipulating a lot of information about a lot of different subjects why would I want to put myself in a situation where I'm in a virtual environment that's not real, that I have no control over, that I have no idea if I'm seeing anything that actually reflects what I'm supposed to be seeing or not? I mean, we, we've, we've, gotten, we've gotten aware of how the media manipulates us. Virtual reality is that with steroids. Yeah, and uh, the headset I think is fifteen hundred dollars. I mean, a lot of people. I, I don't know how he's marketing it. If it's to the Facebook people, that's uh, probably not uh, not going to be the best place to to get fifteen hundred dollars for a recreational item that right. no one's ever seen before. Apparently, the reviews from it's from Facebook Meta employees are not real high on it yeah. to begin with. Well, and the, and the revenues uh, have, have been terrible. Yeah, uh, based on the amount of money they have put into development, the revenues have fallen far short. And that's really what probably hurt the stock as much as it has, is that uh, here's this vast new uh, universe that he's talking about and that they're pouring resources into, and it's not, it's, it's, it's not working. Yeah. The marketplace isn't adopting it. So. Yeah. 
Robert's got a question in the chat. He says, David Zaslav was at uh, attacked the decision to sacrifice theatrical and TV revenue to increase online subscriptions. Is this a story of profits coming back in style versus investor money? That's that's an interesting question because Zaslav over at Warner Brothers Discovery is sitting there saying, we're not going, because he's, he's talking about, you know, we haven't made a Superman movie in 13 years. We haven't made a Harry Potter movie in 15 years. He's talking about doing more stuff with J.K. Rowling. We've got Henry Cavill coming back. We've got brand new restructuring on the DC film unit. And he's talking about we're not going to make movies and television shows that don't make us money. You know, the earning that we just had a third quarter earnings call here the other day, and his his emphasis is now on franchises. And of course, franchise means we can exploit all of this across various different mediums to make money. Is is profit actually coming back in vogue? Possibly. I mean, it's it's a it in this day and age, it's kind of a crazy thought. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I think it's never gone out of vogue with true investors, uh, but I do think that there has uh, kind of caught up in this whole. Uh, you know, environmental sustainability, all this kind of stuff. The the notion of uh, uh, trying to think of the right word. Um, the, the various content, uh, various people who are involved in the company. You know, it's it's not just the shareholders. It's also the management and the employees, the people. That's that's all sort of important, but it's all secondary to profits in the long run. Right. And so returning to vote, yeah, I think probably so. People have probably gotten tired of owning stuff that isn't performing just because they like it. Well, and, you know, we go back to Meta here for a second. Losing billions. I mean, they've lost $9.4 billion as of October 27th of this year. And I that that to me has to, you know, if I'm a, if I'm a shareholder or if I'm a board member, you know, if I'm, yeah. I'm on the, the board of directors, I'm looking at this and saying, hey, what are we doing to fix this? You yeah, saw... I, I can't believe they haven't cut the spending on it. It's, yeah. I mean, at what point do you? I mean, right. they, they've generated, what, $250 million in revenue off of $10 billion? Well, I've and... never, have you, do you know anyone that you has bought one of those headsets or <laughs> uses no. them? No, no. I don't but I also, th you know, I don't know if you saw the thing. I'm not a Jim Cramer fan at all because I think he's, you know, theatrical and entertainment and stuff. Yes. But the guy was near tears over this, oh. honestly. On TV, he basically said, man, you know, my job is to help everybody who's investing. And I told you to buy Facebook because I thought it was the right thing or Meta. And they have lost their way. And I feel terrible. And he went on to say that he really it, he, he made his recommendation based on Zuckerberg and the management team. Mm -hmm. He said, I think if they say this is going to work, it's going to work. And it didn't. Yeah. And uh, it was really kind of interesting. I, I've, I've never seen one of those guys that humble. Well, let me, let, me ask, and let me ask you this, though. How, how much of the lo losing all of this money is tied into the technology not working and how much of it is this, you know, $25 million in fines for breaking Washington election laws because they came out that Facebook broke state election laws in the state of Washington. 
which raises the question, what other states might they have tripped up on? And, you know, and then we go back to that whole thing with, you know, the 2020 elections and we've got the midterm elections tomorrow. And uh, I was reading something, something this morning. Oh, I think Glenn Beck was talking about it. There was there's an article. Oh, where was it? It was in one of the one of the major publications. It basically says, no, there wasn't there wasn't any any problem with the computers and stuff with the election, you know, the Dominion machines and whatnot during the 2020 stuff. Yet the risk is kind of there. Now wait a minute. If the risk is there now, the risk was there then. And <laughs> two years ago, nobody was allowed to even talk about it. And there was discussion back then, and now here it is. We've got confirmation. Facebook was doing stuff to interfere with the election process on the state level. And we know he funded, he, he funneled uh, millions of dollars into online campaigns to try to, you know, skew voting stuff. Well, and, uh, and I read the, the article on Washington and followed that. It's pretty interesting because what it basically said was that the people who were using paid advertising on Facebook, you know, the proper disclosures were not being met. Yeah. You know, it's like when you put a sign in your front yard and you say somebody's the treasurer and so that you can look up the information. Well, they weren't posting that this was paid by so-and-so and that it will reach X number of people and this is the target. Those are all required information uh, for political advertising in the state of Washington and presumably in many other states as well. So yeah. um, no question that they violated it. Now, what what Meta said in their in their answer to it, even I mean, they obviously they lost. Right. But their argument was that it was unconstitutional yeah. to require that information. Well, what's Washington's fault for having a bad constitution? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there right. you go. Well, and Dave's got a good point. There was a question of the machines being able to be hacked done even during an investigative hearing. That was in Arizona. Uh, Maricopa County it was basically ground zero for a lot of this. And, you know, they... I, re I remember watching some of those hearings where they came in and they said, okay, look, here, we have this machine... We're hacking it right now as we speak. Uh, here, here it is. We're doing it in real time now. And even then, after it's proven that these machines are vulnerable, you've got people saying, oh, no, you know, they're, they're fine. Everything's fine. And, and you're not allowed to talk about it. And you had a lot of people getting banned off of Twitter and suppressed on Facebook because of all of this. And I think long term, now we're starting to see some of the fallout from that because, you know, like somebody said up in the chat, new sheriff in town, you know, that all of that led to, you know, I think the, the straw that broke the camel's back was when they banned the Babylon Bee off of Twitter. And that's when Elon Musk said, hey, what's going, what's going on over there? Let's, let's take a look, shall we? And that's when this whole thing blew wide open. And then you had this, you had this uh, article in The Intercept that's been making the rounds about how Department of Homeland Security <clears throat> has been colluding with big tech, Facebook and 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 Twitter and Google and YouTube and and all those good things. And and J.P. Morgan also involved in this. And so now you get the banks that are involved 
and suppressing information that could affect the the outcome of elections. This okay. is this is some this is some 1984 dystopian stuff. I mean, when I was growing up, what I learned in school, if you have government and business working together to suppress and censor your your citizenry, that's textbook fascism. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, I, yeah. I have that right, yes? <laughs> yeah, that's the purpose of the First Amendment. The government can't do that. So. Well, and I, I, what I think interestingly is, you know, it's long been felt that there's a, there's a famous quote from George W. Bush where he said, you know, history will decide. Right. Well, history reviews, history reveals all secrets too. Mm-hmm. So I, I think what we're going to find 25 years from now, when they look back on this era, you know. All kinds of stuff, Hunter Biden stuff, collusion stuff, all kinds of stuff uh, is going to it, it's going to be revealed in a different light mm-hmm. historically yeah. when all the emotion is out of it. And uh, I, I don't think there's any question that there's there's always shenanigans. There's always shenanigans with government. There's always shenanigans with business, whether they're important or not. We'll find out 10, 15 years from now when. You know, I'm probably not even here. Yeah, I do find it interesting, though, that you look at the stock price for Meta and this is this is the chart over the last five days. And it was, you know, it was down in the in the 80s. And then yesterday, well, over the weekend and now into today, we've got a little bit of a spike here that it's back up to 94 right now. What? I haven't seen any news items in the last couple of days other than the, the impending layoffs. Would I, that cause this kind of a spike in, in, in the stock price? I, I think that's it. I think it's a major cost, cost cutting. Yeah. And I think it's, it, signals, it signals that they, they understand or somebody got the picture that you just can't keep losing money like this. So... Uh, it may be temporary, it may be longer lived, but it probably does reveal that uh, the market um, has seen the articles and stuff, and they, they they like that idea. They're losing a lot more than Twitter. Yeah. So. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, what are the odds that uh, that Zuckerberg does not survive this? I I think he won't survive it. Yeah, I think it's possible. Unless he just, he just, unless he just totally backs off of uh, the metaverse. Yeah, it's not uncommon for entrepreneurs to, you know, build a great thing and then prove themselves incompetent at operating it. Right. And he has pretty much operated it with, uh, you know, with no restraint, no accountability, no nothing. And uh, so it would not surprise me a bit if uh, we, we would see him step aside or chairman of the board or something like that, as opposed to actually running the company. Yeah, he uh, it's one of those guys that had a, a, well, he took a great idea and uh, made it into something, or at least was credited with doing it. And now he's got another idea, and it's probably not so great. And uh, <laughs> but he's not back. Apparently, not somebody has not backed off on it yet, and they have. They should have backed off on it a long time ago. Yeah, and it it happened to Steve Jobs. Uh, it happened to. Uh, 
Bill Gates. I mean, yeah. it, it, at, at different times, uh, a lot of entrepreneurs face this, especially when they get to be such a massive company. Uh-huh. Right. It's huge. Well, since we're not a massive company, I'm I'm feeling pretty comfortable in my spot here. Uh, Dan, you you might be looking over your shoulder here. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Okay. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about what PayPal has been going through, and uh, we'll circle back to a couple of other things here as we continue here live from the bunker. Uh, This button, this button, don't go away. We'll be right back. Our transmitters are made from hand wavium. This is Sci-Fi for Me Radio. Punch the demon face. Just punch it. Yeah, I know it's got teeth. Punch it on the head. Like, they're always like, "Ah! Ah!" No, punch it. Like, there's a little girl whose life is in danger. Do something other than just yell. Foreign Bodies, Saturday at 1 p.m. Eastern, only on Sci-Fi For Me TV. Good Morning Multiverse, Saturday morning at 11, 10 Central, only on Sci-Fi For Me TV. Back live from the bunker, in the bunker... Jason Hunt here, along with uh, Matt Stevens, Dan Danford. And we are talking money. This is the Money Talk edition of our program. We try to do this at least once a month. And uh, I would I would imagine that uh, we'll have these discussions maybe maybe more than once a month as, as things start to shake out here a little bit. Um, I want to I want to circle back here for just a second here to a, to another story that's on the intercept because we're talking about the vulnerability of voting machines. Here's a headline here: An Uber millionaire wants you to vote on the internet despite the inherent vulnerabilities. Like, hang on, we're we're now talking about the vulnerability of this technology, and uh, we weren't we weren't supposed to. But you talk about, you know, the Instagram, you know, the effect that we're seeing on Instagram from, you know, uh, accounts that I haven't seen in a while. Now I see it. You're talking about this effect that the Twitter, the Twitter scenario is having an effect on all this other stuff. Is there maybe an effect on media as well? Because now we can talk about these kind of things because, you know, we had the Atlantic. The article came out and says, you know, let's let's talk about amnesty because we kind of got things wrong and we done. You know, it's it's <laughs> yeah. kind of like you know it's, we're all good, right? You know, because we were we were we were doing our best, <laughs> and, and now we're able to talk about you know the the election machine, you know, the voter machines being vulnerable and, and this kind of thing and this thing. That. What what flipped? Do you think? Where where did we where did we get? that moment where now suddenly it's okay to talk about this stuff. Uh, it could have to do with you, Twitter might be kind of unrestricted. They might, you might be able to talk about the ineptness of some of our politicians leading up to, up to the, this epidemic. I mean, cause there is blatant ineptness <laughs> everywhere. Yeah. I mean, some, you know, the, the, 
they didn't know maybe but uh, there's a now can be talked about yeah there's a great jim collins quote where he says you know a bad decision made with the best intentions is still a bad decision yeah yeah and i i think that's you know um giving people the benefit of the doubt that they were making the best decisions they thought they could at the time well mm -hmm. you know in retrospect they were still bad decisions yeah well and you've even got dr you've even got yeah. dr burks you know she she's sitting there to the right hand of fauci talking about how they lied to president trump in order to get the get the shutdown the lockdown to happen and I'm like, okay, well, then you weren't operating with the best of information here. You were you were lying not only to the public, but you were lying to government officials in order to push a particular agenda. And now it's all coming out. And then we have tomorrow. We have midterms tomorrow. And I don't know. I think I think in in the Game of Thrones TV series and in the books, there's this thing called the Red Wedding where I haven't seen it, but I've heard about it, and it was pretty brutal, pretty gruesome, where everybody got slaughtered. And there's blood everywhere, which is why it's called the Red Wedding, right? And it feels like to me, you know, everybody's talking about Red Wave, Red Wave. Tomorrow, it feels like red wedding to me because I'm looking at these polls. I'm looking at the the what's happening with people actually able to say things online, on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter. I think that's going to change the complexion of the election process for at least the next couple of times we do this. Maybe. Yeah, well, if things can stay as... They are. I mean, I'm sure there'll be efforts to get brain in Twitter. I mean, to make it less free than it than it appears that it's going to be. Yeah. So I'm sure there's, there's going to be a lot of. I don't know if they'll try some sort of antitrust avenue or. They, you know, he's out other companies they could they could uh, encumber to put pressure on. We'll see what happens. And. It, so. I, I, I've been surprised in the past, and uh, so I'm a little reluctant to make any predictions now. <laughs> um, I, I, I'd just be interested to see what happens tomorrow, I guess is what I'll say. Um, no. It yeah, sure no, feels different, anything. but I've been wrong before. Yeah. Well, and the other the other thing, too, I mean, besides the big tech companies, I mentioned the JP, JP Morgan uh, Chase. They were part of this whole thing with the, the Homeland Security con uh, conversations. We also got PayPal up to some shenanigans. And frequently we'll talk about the independent comics uh, industry, you know, indie comic creators. They're using crowdfunding with Kickstarter and Indiegogo. And now we're starting to see that Indiegogo is starting to suppress certain campaigns. They're getting a little bit of a, of a political infection there. But PayPal, being a, 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 a payment processing company... One of those campaigns, the ISOM number one from Eric July, he's, they were sitting on about a million and a half of his money that they were holding for reasons unknown. I think he eventually got it all released to him. But then it comes out here in the last few weeks, the last couple of months or so, 
that PayPal's got this fine built into their terms of service that people didn't realize was there, that if you are engaged in certain activities, we could charge you $2,500. Per violation. Per violation. And then, you know, when this came out, people are starting to say, hang on, wait a minute, hold on, where is this? Flag on the play. And PayPal says, oh, no, 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 that was a draft. That wasn't supposed to be in there. But it turns out it is, and it's still in there because I'm pulling this up today. Right. And it's still in there. Now, the what, how you violate things is, is really vague. And I've heard some people say that this $2,500 fine has been in there for a long while. And it's just now coming out that we're finding out that it's in here because somebody actually finally read the terms of service. Because how many of us actually go through and read the terms of service on this stuff, right? I know. And PayPal, not doing too well in their in their stocks. They're down to 76. And, and there's a little bit of a bump here from, you know, the, the weekend. But, you know, this is over the last month, they've gone from 90 to 77. And I know a lot of people who have come out on online on their various different social media posts saying, I'm done with PayPal. I've closed my account. I've closed my Venmo account because PayPal owns Venmo. Lying to your, lying to your customer base? Oh, no, we're not doing that. Yeah, that doesn't that, seem that, like that. it's the smart thing to do. The offensive part is not that the clause is in there. The offensive part is that it says in its sole discretion, they'll decide whether you violated the terms. Yeah. That, okay. That's, that's not real objective. And that causes, you know, that causes me. Well, and, it, and it says damage to PayPal. I mean, yeah. How, what can I really do to damage PayPal? Well, so now well I you, can made, see... you made me feel bad. Well, I can see, like, okay, let's say you're engaged in something like money laundering or embezzlement, you know, some kind of a financial thing, a financial crime where you're using PayPal to facilitate that illegal activity. Okay, that's, that's something I can see, you know, PayPal will shut you down for something like that. Or you're, you know, defrauding people, you're presenting information and, and you're charging money for something that maybe you're not on the up and up. But I don't see where PayPal has a right, has the authority or the jurisdiction to go look at my Facebook posts or my Twitter posts or my anything anywhere, some article that I write over on the dot com or some show that I, you know, something I say on one of these shows and then they suddenly say, you know what? That violates our terms of service. We're going to ding you for $2,500. It's not how that's supposed to work. And, you, and, no. and this is not the first time that we've heard about that kind of thing where your total online behavior now becomes the criteria for a specific company's terms of service that don't necessarily have legal jurisdiction over everything that you do online. Mm-hmm. And you circle back to J.P. Morgan on that Department of Homeland Security conversation, and we get to what they're doing in China and what they did in Canada. You know, because you had the you had the protesters up there get their bank bank accounts frozen because behavior bad, 
And now you can't get access to your money because of what you've been doing on social media or what kind of political activity that you've been involved with. I mean, China, they'll shoot you. Here, you know, we don't have those consequences yet because First Amendment. And there are times I'm sitting there thinking, well, I'm glad we've got the Second Amendment to protect the first because I think we're going to need it. You know? (laughs) But you feel the the you feel starting to feel out on the fringes that they're exploring this this idea yeah. of well we can punish you over here for something you did over there, and that social media status starts to come into play where we don't like what you posted. We're not going to give you access to your bank accounts. We're not going to let you buy this luxury item. We're not going to we're we're not going to let you do this. You know travel to this country or right. get on or the airplane not, or whatever. Not the travel thing, I think, is one of the most common restrictions in China that they impose if, if you, they don't behave. And that'd be so easy to do here. You just in the airport and say, well, you put something on social media that the government didn't like. Yeah. This is sort of, it reminds me of the, you know, the argument about the, uh, the bakery who doesn't want to do business with certain kinds of customers and stuff. And and oftentimes the courts have held that, you know, if you're in business, you don't have to do business with anybody if you don't want to. But there are circumstances, and that's where social media is different than other things. It's that it is a public place for discussions and stuff. And if the owners limit the discussion, they actually cut people out or cut people away from folks who need that information in some fashion. So there's there's an argument to be made that social media is different than other kinds of businesses where you can easily choose. You can just tell somebody, hey, I've decided not to do business with you anymore. And there's seven other banks. So they pick up their stuff and they go do business with a different bank. I mean, nobody's hurt there. But if you're the only bank in town and you tell somebody I'm not going to do business with you anymore, that's different because you've cut off their livelihood by doing that. Well, and and we've seen, you know, Musk has made uh, comments along those lines where, you know, this is this is the public square. This is the public, you know, this is the public forum. And politicians have made the argument that this is just like a utility. This is access to public, you know, and, and if you have any any suppression of especially political discourse, then you start tripping up over the First Amendment. And yes, I know everybody's like, well, it's a private company and do what they want. Well, now that Elon Musk has a private company, he can do whatever he want. They're they're, you know, bleeding about it because they don't like what he's doing, what he wants. You know, it's it's rules for thee and not for me, right? Well, a public utility can't just, you know, say, you know what, we don't like that group of people, so we aren't going to provide electricity to them anymore. Well, you look at what happened in Colorado. Um, OK, so we, what was this? A few a few weeks, a couple of months ago, I think it was where the governor declared an emer- an, an energy emergency. Remember, because they were having the power outages and the electricity and stuff because of all the summer and the demand from the air conditionings and all of that. Right. So the governor declares an a, an energy emergency and everybody who's got these little smart home thermostats couldn't change the temperature in their house because, oh, I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. The governor has said we're in an emergency. And so now suddenly you're locked out of controlling your environment because of some government functionary somewhere. I mean, this is this is 
beyond 1984. This is this is Skynet stuff. We're getting close here. But but I also think uh, it, it, those are all good points. So I'm not arguing against that. But what I would say is that these are enormously complex problems. <laughs> and so, so uh, you know, the, the laws of unintended consequences and all those kinds of things is, is I'm not sure there's a conspiracy behind everything, but because of the complexity of the issues, we run and we stumble. And I do think there's some of that. Dan, I'm going to say this. The, the, the difference between a conspiracy theory and truth is right now sitting at about three weeks. Okay, well, I'm not going to argue that. I, 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 I do see, uh, you know, there, there's an old thing that there's no such thing as coincidence, and that there is some truth to that as well. And yeah. uh, I'm maybe not as suspicious as others, but I understand skepticism. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, I live there a lot. Yeah, I do too. Uh, skepticism, uh, that, that brings me into this one. I'm just going to drop this in here really quick at the end. Bob Chapek in a, in an interview said that Disney's not looking to buy any more companies. Um, and, uh, Valiant Renegade and Drunk 3PO just did a video on the Galactic Star Cruiser stuff, how they're trying to figure out how they're going to make money on this because they're not making money. And you've got the deal where Disney Plus is going to start distributing Doctor Who in 2023 that has people speculating, whether are they about to buy Bad Wolf, which is the company that produces Doctor Who? And so JPEG's out here going, no, 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 we're not acquiring anymore. We're not going to do anything like that. Disney stock, of course, under $100 a share again. I mean, they, they spiked a little bit. They got up to 106 and now they're back down to 99 I don't know. It, it just seems like they still are floundering and flailing about trying to figure out what they're doing over there. And they were talking about, uh, uh, Valiant and Jay were talking about the, the idea. Right now, they're taking a lot of staff at the parks to part-time, especially at Galactic Star Cruiser, because they don't have anybody booking booking rooms for $4,000 a pop. Surprise there. Oh, is that right? Yeah, yeah but they're having, to take, they're having to take people to part-time. And their their speculation is the next thing that's going to end up happening is the prices are going to start to come down at the parks because they're going to have to because nobody is going to the parks. Mm-hmm. And it's okay that Galactic Star Cruiser loses money because they're still making money at the parks. But what what if they start losing money in the theme parks, the attractions? How does that impact the overall uh, value of the company at that point? Because I don't know how much they're making in profit on the on the film production side. They're still making money on sports, but it it just seems like they're all still kind of trying to figure things out willy nilly, and and they don't have a plan. They gotta I have think a plan. Every, everything they do is is. So everybody else doing it are, are struggling too. Netflix, I mean the streaming, the, I mean, uh, the film production, the sports. I mean ESPN yeah. has had major problems. So I don't think they're it just in any area that's has a very bright future in the short term. Yeah. All right. How about Warner Brothers Discovery? Here they are. They're drumming. I think maybe I want to buy some shares of Warner Brothers Discovery. I mean, ten bucks a share. Come on, there, there's a, there's a bargain. 
But over the past month, I mean, you look here from November 1st, where it was at 13, and now it's dropped down to 10. That's a that's a, a pretty steep drop in, in a few days. Zaz, Zaslav's making a lot of cuts. I mean, there are billions of dollars in debt. He's got to get rid of it. There you know, and he's sitting there talking franchises, Superman and and Harry Potter. I mean, the Fantastic Beasts line of movies are gone. That's that's done. He's got new people in charge of DC. He's got new people in charge of Warner Brothers Studios. When does this start to bounce back? Do you think? Very common um, uh, corporate behavior, especially in recessions, <laughs> where. You know that when you're fat and happy and making lots of money, you can cover a lot of errors. Mm. But when things slow down, uh, you can't. Yeah. And I think what we're seeing is, and it's it's like Matt just said a minute ago, that it's across the board uh, in all these entertainment companies. They're 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 suffering uh, times that they haven't suffered for a, a while, and that's when these kinds of cuts come, and that's when you reduce debt, and that's when you cut people. And all those kinds of things, and I think that's 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 what's likely to happen over the next couple of years, is you're going to see these companies become more efficient again. So let me ask you this: as we're going into as we're going into the election tomorrow, midterms, Dow Jones is up, Nasdaq is or, or was it Standard and Poor's 500 is up. Nasdaq is is climbing back up. All all of these all of these numbers are in the green now. Is is how much connective tissue is there between what the election results are and the performance of the market? Are, are these numbers going to continue to climb after tomorrow? Do you think? My, my opinion is it's all related to energy production. If we think we're going to produce more energy in this country, uh, prices will stop going up or at least go up a lot slower. Yeah. And so we'll see if the election results uh, indicate that. I, th I think that's just a, a huge, huge factor. I know everybody blames it on Ukraine. I do not know that the world is producing less oil than it was two years ago. I, the United States is. Yeah, we are. Yeah. But uh, I, as far as I know, the rest of the world is producing as much as it ever has, including. And I think that's a that's a, a great point because uh, it's just like going back to profits. Eventually, everything goes back there. But what what markets hate most than anything, seriously, anything, is uncertainty. Yeah. Right. And going up to an election like this, there's a ton of uncertainty. What we do know is in the next two days. There will be more certainty. Okay, it you may think, not last. You think, man, you're an optimist. <laughs> well, I, no, no, I, I am an optimist. I've seen this before, and I've also made faulty, uh, uh, you know, uh, predictions before. That if the Republicans win, the markets are going to go up, and if the Democrats win, the markets going to go down. And I, I believe me, I, that, that there is no pattern there. That is not true. But what we can say is that we will be more certain about the next couple of years, five days from now, than we are today. And the markets like that in general. Yeah. Hopefully it'll be five days from now. Yeah. Right. I hope. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. yeah. Exactly. With, without a whole lot of fortification in the middle of that, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, all right. Well, we will definitely have to see how that goes. 
Um, all right. So and and on that note, I will uh, I will issue this uh, this programming note. Just a reminder: since we have the midterms tomorrow, we are not going to have a ranker pit discussion tomorrow night. So we're just gonna we're just gonna skip that. I am going to be over on Comics Division's channel as part of their panel as we go through our election results. But uh, uh, Ranker Pet will not be on tomorrow night. So just uh, just an FYI there. We will be back on, on Wednesday, regular time here for this show. And uh, then we'll see what the fallout is from tomorrow, right? <laughs> so. Uh, we're, all, we're all watching closely. We are. We are. And some states are getting watched a little bit closer than others to hear uh, to hear some news coming out this morning. So uh, anyway, all right. So that's going to do it for us, folks. Thanks very much for being here. Dan, okay. where can where can people find you online? I saw uh, somebody put a, a, a link to your YouTube uh, channel in the chat earlier. Where can people find you? Yeah, uh, that's their YouTube. Just do searches for Dan Danford. There aren't very many of us out there. And the one that's involved in investing and finance and personal finance, that's me. And Matt, what about you? Oh, one of these days I'll have to actually seek approval to do this show. And I'll, <laughs> I'll put it in so then. So till then, don't I ask, don't tell. Anonymous. So. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks very much for being here, gentlemen. We'll do this again next month. Maybe we start doing this uh, more frequently than once a month, given how how much news keeps rolling out on this stuff. There's going to be a lot, a lot happening. There he is. I, I just hope you don't have to uh, move it to Starlink before. Yeah, or 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 Mastodon. You know, yeah. maybe we'll all go over to Mastodon here in the in the big Twitter exodus, right? Okay. Uh, <laughs> Crazy days ahead, folks. Strap in, buckle up, hang on to something. So we'll see. All right, that's it for us. Speaking of Mastodon, we're not setting up an account there. but We already have plenty. We've got 10 different social media accounts where you can find us. We're on Odyssey, Rumble, YouTube, and Twitch for video platforms. On Rumble, we need to get our numbers up. We are sitting at 86 subscribers. We need to get up to 100 so we can start live streaming there. Uh, there's a newsletter you can sign up for. There's a Subscribestar account you can do to support us. And we've got some plans and schemes in the works for other things going on here. We'll be making some announcements probably around the time we do our 500th episode. We'll be ready to do that. That's at the end of December. Market calendars. December 30th. Big, big shoe. Uh, or as, as, uh, as Ed Sullivan would say, a really big shoe. So uh, check us out then. Of course, uh, in the meantime, look at all of the rest of the videos that we've got. Feel free to share the links and tell other people about this show and this channel. And we will be back on Wednesday. Who have I got Wednesday? Wednesday, I've got a guest. Harry Glorickian will be here to talk about how artificial intelligence can make you healthier. So we're going to be talking about that on Wednesday. <sighs> Thanks very much for being here, folks. Remember, okay. there are four lights. Copyright 2022 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media. You're listening to Sci-Fi For Me Radio. 